0: Seniors, does your doctor regularly reach out to check on you? Can you walk into your doctor's office and see them if you need to? Do you have your doctor's cell phone number, and can you call them anytime, day or night? At Dedicated Senior Medical Center, their only specialty is caring for seniors. Dedicated makes it easy to get the primary care you deserve. Doctors spend more time with patients than the doctors you may be used to. They offer telehealth visits, help you get your medications, and even make sure you get to your appointments. If your doctor isn't treating you like family, it's time to say yes to Dedicated Senior Medical Center. Call Dedicated Senior Medical Center today to schedule a visit and find out what you're missing. Call 813-359-1448. That's 813-359-1448. Appointments available now.
1: Welcome to Cafecito with Rosie On Air, where you'll get to know local professionals, entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers, and how they're helping their community. Hear exclusive interviews from thriving individuals, get inspired, and learn from them. And now, your host, author, speaker, commissioner, Medicare broker, business owner, published author, and business trailblazer, Rosie Paulson
2: bienvenidos to cafecito with Rosie on air my name is Rosie Paulson I'm the owner of Rosie Paulson Enterprises and SNR Services where my husband Scott and I service Medicare recipients in the Tampa Bay area with an unbiased solution for the Medicare options my brand promise is knowledge connection success and we are very grateful to dedicated Senior Medical Center for sponsoring Cafecito with Rosie on Air. Today I am honored to introduce one of the doctors, Dr. Susan Crow. She is a Family Medicine Board Certified Physician. She's earned her bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Illinois, Illinois, and followed with her MD at the Northwestern University in Finsberg School of Medicine in Chicago, attending on a full academic scholarship. Patients are taught accountability for their own contributions to health outcomes. Together we have a uh, a partnership that is key to primary disease prevention as well as maximizing chronic illness and management. That is a quote from Dr. Crow and today again I am very grateful and honored to have her on my show. Hello Dr. Crow, how are you this afternoon?
3: I'm doing just great Rosie, thank you so much for having
2: me. Great, great, and thank you, that was a great quote. Uh, A lot of the um, medicine nowadays is about communication with the patient. And a lot of our seniors are very savvy because of the internet, of what they want, how they want it, and how they wanna be educated on their disease. And um, today we are going to be talking a little bit about heart disease, but before we start on that, why don't you tell me why did you decided to become a doctor? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I think it, it goes back to my
3: mother was a nurse, and um, I did always find sort of a leaning towards caring for people, and watching my mother do that gave me a lot of pride, and I always enjoyed uh, the science and the, um, the study of it all because it's, it's intriguing and it keeps you, keeps you with new things all the time. So, um, you know, flash forward 25 years later, I'm still a physician, so asking me why I stayed a physician <laughs> is even better. Um, and I think that if anyone takes the time to get familiar with dedicated senior medical, this is a practice that drew me in because it fits so perfectly with my, my career philosophy and my education philosophy. Uh, you're absolutely right, my patients are very wise. They, they've got lots of years of knowing themselves, And um, we all have to sort of learn to outsmart ourselves because we all kind of know the things we should be doing, but it's working together in partnership to make changes a little bit at a time that each and every patient knows that it's not unreasonable. I can live with this. I can do this. And uh, incremental change or small changes like that are what leads up more and more to understanding their health and feeling more energy and basically more quality
2: days of living so yeah yeah that is awesome and you're located in Lakeland Florida Uh, I know there's a big big uh, location over there about how many doctors are in that practice we have seven physicians that are primary care and we also have a
3: specialist in podiatry and a specialist in cardiology Um, so that's nine physicians that are busy practicing around here all the time Great,
2: great, great. Okay, so let's talk about what uh, the topic of this month is and is the types of risk risk factors for heart disease. Do you want to start with some of those for me, please? Well, sure.
3: Um, I think just by definition, my patients are meeting one of the higher risk factors is just their age just patients who are 65 and older and even some of mine who have disability and are fighting uh, me, you know, medical problems even prior to that, that heart disease is one of the leading causes of death in these people. So that's, that's true for men, that's true for women um, so it is one of the places we know we can make the biggest impact when we look at the different things that lead into heart disease and uh, many people might be Thinking about heart disease as um, all related to whether or not you have chest pain or whether or not you had surgery on the vessels of your heart, but there's lots of other types of heart disease. Um, And in the seniors, you know, we're mostly focusing on the things that lifestyle can impact. So, you know, for example, the size of your heart can be enlarged because it's working too hard or... The, um, the different vessels can be blocked due to cholesterol, or you can just be deconditioned, meaning you're not using your heart muscle to to uh, work hard enough, and therefore it, it gets a little tired. So right. um, all of these things can lead up to, to the different problems that people have with heart disease.
2: Right, right. And you know, this is so funny because um, my husband, Scott, I actually had some issues, and we did not understand what it was. But finally, after doing some research, and he's a young man; he's only like 53. Um, but I guess his problem was hereditary. So, but nobody really knew back then that it was. So we, although we monitor monitoring it right now, um, he actually has that condition, but can live a full life without no problem. But I guess in, in the in the past, if we had left it untreated, that would be something that that probably cost um, for him not to be here anymore. And as a matter of fact, we believe or he believes that his mother had that same condition; it just went untreated. So it is not. Too early for anybody to keep on looking at these things because your heart is your what gets your 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 body going right, and it needs to be checked and it needs to be um um keep track because it's important. It's very very important. birth hmm So um, let's talk about a little bit about uh the different type of, of uh, uh, conditions um coronary artery uh, disease, C-A-D? Right. So that's
3: basically the thing that I think many people think of when they think of heart. They're talking about the things that lead up to a heart attack. And this has to do with how well blood can circulate to the entire heart muscle. Um, you did mention, for example, people can have be born with some changes, but most of these problems that people have develop with time. And when people... Um, are not following guidelines as far as taking medications, or they're not trying to stay active and, um, and, and caring for their body, and um, they can actually have more and more blockage. That's when they start getting chest pain, um, and that's what we call angina, or, or uh, angina, depending on who pronounces it. <laughs> but, um, a lot of people think about that kind of thing as, as being the classic. But there are other types as well. You can actually have, um, like I said, I started to mention the size of the heart getting a bit large. They call that cardiomegaly when the heart is too big, and that Mm -hmm. can lead to heart failure also. Um, Also, these changes in the heart can, you know, at some point disrupt the electrical rhythm coming from the heart. And then you have what we call arrhythmia, which is when the heart doesn't beat exactly as it's supposed to. The heart is a muscle that never rests, and we all have seen and heard what a heartbeat should sound like. And when that's not in a regular way, that can introduce other types of risk factors for health.
2: So that's, yeah. that's, that's great information. So walk me through perhaps the first time a, uh, a patient comes into the clinic. It's their, um, I guess they call the echocardiogram. Is that something that is done in-house at the clinic? Yes, we actually do a screening um, ultrasound of the heart called an echocardiogram,
3: um, and we do that on all of our new patients. We probably we don't do it on the first day, but we get it scheduled within the first few weeks as best we can, um, because exactly that, um, it helps us to catch some of the silent things, some of the changes that can lead somebody towards heart failure, They call that staging, which is when we can start to see the little hints that there could be something going on and we can figure out how we can help make sure we're preventing those changes from progressing and and causing more and more heart disease. Right. And then
2: once, if they need to continue with perhaps a cardiologist, then that happens at the same clinic, Right. Oh, of course, yes. We have our
3: in-house cardiologist here. And what I love about our system, you mentioned using um, the Internet. I mean, we have actually several cardiologists who are at the ready, um, even because sometimes our own cardiologist might be really busy with other patients in the moment, but we always have a cardiologist ready to answer questions. I can take a quick snapshot of an EKG. I can put my story down real quick, and they'll kind of give me a gut feeling on... Um, oh, you're right, that's, you don't need to worry about that. Schedule that with doctor, um, with the cardiologist at the next available. Or, you know, I would make sure you get this done before you see her. So we are trained as primary care doctors to handle a lot of early heart issues, but it's always nice to have the specialists on hand to just kind of put the icing on the cake, just to confirm that we've thought of everything um, and to make those little discussions sometimes There might be a subtle uh, whether or not to start someone on aspirin or whether or not, and some of those things are a little bit more of an art. So again, it's nice to have the opinion of specialists to to help us lean one way or another.
2: And I think one of the biggest things that was very helpful to me as Scott's wife when we were looking at the cardiologist is how he educates as well him and me different right because I'm not the person with the heart issue but he's my loved one and I need to learn is this worry if do I have to what are the symptoms I have to watch for so um, how is that uh, line of communication with the caregiver for the person that you see in your clinics if it's a lot of course and it if it's uh, with all the compliance that we have to follow but that caregiver what is that communication um with them sure well you know i am i am at the um
3: the base of my career medication i'm a family doctor so family support and family education is is really at the heart of all education from my perspective because again i can teach somebody um what they need to do but if the person who does the cooking or does the shopping or uh, creates the stress at home, (laughs) the different things that can make it hard for my patient to comply. So we really want to partner with the whole family. And we are able currently to sometimes bring family members in on a a video if they can't physically make it over. I always prefer for them to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can do individual sessions where, you know, we're just coming in to talk about what you can do with nutrition this week, or we're just going to talk about how you can start to introduce more activity, very specific things that, um, and then when you get the families together on it, hopefully they can start together and make an improvement. It's not going to hurt you to improve your lifestyle either, along with your husband.
2: Yeah, and and that's one of the things that we are doing. And actually, we started during the during our quarantine, which it was walking around our neighborhood. We started with one time, then we went out to a second time, a uh, second lap, then three, and then now we do like one big one around the whole. Like we go outside the the neighborhood and then it's just getting bigger. So by the time uh, we're done, we actually have been walking for about 30 minutes and it doesn't feel like it. Um, But that is part of our routine and it has helped us both a lot, a lot, a lot. So yeah, Yeah. it start with something, right? At the very beginning, it was just like going down the stairs, maybe walk around the the park, which was really small, and then go back out to the house and then we just continue to do it. And I I believe one of the things... um, it's about the persistent and keep on doing it every day as a habit. Um, so, so it can become that part of your routine. And, and the long-term commitment is what's gonna make the, the end goal result, right? On this, uh, on this trying to keep the, uh, we all want to lose 20 pounds in two days, but again, you took about six <laughs> months to, to gain those 20 pounds, right? <laughs> Well, this year I like to call it gaining the COVID-19
3: because the 19 pounds that a lot of people gained in the last year because of the limitations, Um, but maybe it wasn't 19. Maybe it was only 8 or 9, but in any case, um, you you said it perfectly. We started together a little at a time. Every major change that we make can start that way, and that's the best way to build. Um, Most of changes happen from... Uh, the commitment to just show up and once you're there you feel kind of silly and not not walking Mm -hmm. and it just gets easier and easier so the commitment to take care of yourself and to show up um, making the effort and and that is a commitment my patients make to me Um, they may have different ways of recording it sometimes I might get a text of somebody who's out by a lake and saw you know a beautiful deer because they went for a walk or I might see pictures of uh, cigarettes in the trash, or (laughs) there are lots of ways that my patients communicate with me. Um, They write down very extensive journals. Whatever works for a patient is what will work for me, because I'm really more of a coach Mm -hmm. than I am um, a physician
2: when it comes to lifestyle change, because I I don't go home with them. (laughs) Right. 'Cause I don't think people understand it's a lifestyle change. It's something that you're going to do for the rest of your life. So you cannot see it as gonna be changing tomorrow and then if it doesn't happen you don't see immediate results. It's something that is long term and the commitment and the consistency, it's where, you know, even if you fail today you get up the next day and you do it all over again and the and the bottle is one daily when you do it all over again. And there's gonna be days that it's not going to happen and you're not going to um, give the best that you can do at that time but do something and don't just give back to go back to what you did before just forget that that day and go to the next day there's always a new beginning and do it all over again with uh, with your with your habits of of trying to make that change so it's a long-term commitment and like you call it a lifestyle change (laughs) And I think that your story captures perfectly how,
3: you know, something that hadn't even occurred to you or your family as young as your husband is, it, it doesn't matter if someone's 65, if that's the first ultrasound they've ever had and someone says, you know, I do see your heart muscles a little bigger than I'd like it to be, that can be very scary. They hear heart and they know they only have one. Um, and so it's important to recognize that it is manageable and it doesn't have to happen all at once. So letting yourself, you know, pick some priorities and work with your doctor to choose some things that are manageable and just know that it will grow. All, all really important things um, like
2: this, they, they take work, but like you said, it is not going to happen overnight. Yeah, one day at a time. So I know there's, a, uh, there's some risk factors to heart disease, and there are a few. So would you like to go over some of them and elaborate a little on each of them? Sure, sure. Um, I think that
3: most people realize that um, anybody who carries more weight on their body than what, what we would consider to be healthy for them, which is going to be a little bit different. Everybody's muscle tone is different, bone size is different, so... It isn't an absolute number, this is where we cut it off, but we have a a general screening that we tool, that we use to to look at the body mass index, the BMI. And when we look at certain types of disease um, occurrences, it happens more and more the higher that BMI gets. Now, you know, you've got genetics underneath that, you've got other things people say, you know, can I be heavy and healthy? I mean, you certainly can have a lot of other things under control, but we do know that carrying too much weight is makes your heart work harder than it should, and it also contributes to the other things that slow people down in terms of of uh, getting the exercise in. Now, the flip side to that is a lot of times it's also a reflection of some of the nutritional choices that need to change. So um if someone's carrying a little bit more weight um we know that if we are watching what what they're eating nutritionally and the weight starts to come down it's usually also healthier foods that are that are leaning that way and um then that all kind of rolls into the next thing which is your blood pressure um everybody has heard you don't have to be overweight to have high blood pressure so by itself high blood pressure can be an issue and this is where you start examining your life like your stress your sleep, the other things that help your body kind of hum along like it should, and of course there's some genetics involved. So somebody can be very thin and think that that makes everything okay, but if their blood pressure is not controlled, it puts too much work on the heart in several different ways. So in bringing the heart rate slower and in bringing the blood pressure down, that's two ways that we help the heart get a little bit of a break from... Uh, from that kind of a stress. So now I'm sure that most people have heard the term cholesterol. They hear us talking about cholesterol with respect to the heart all the time. It goes mm-hmm. back to that coronary artery disease that we mentioned. And um, cholesterol isn't all, all good or all bad either. There are different profiles of cholesterol. So somebody might have a rather low cholesterol, but if they have no good cholesterol at all, there's a type of cholesterol that's actually protective. And when it's missing, you actually have increased risk of heart disease just because that's too low. And then if somebody has very high bad cholesterol and low good cholesterol, that's called dyslipidemia. When both of them are going in the wrong direction, it's kind of a double whammy. One can can cancel the other out, but um, this is where you start looking at all the different ways to nourish your body, that can change that, in addition to medications. Um, so, um, nice. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing that always ties together for me, when we talk about cholesterol and we talk about these different things, we talk about metabolic syndrome. And with metabolic syndrome, that's when our cholesterol and our sugars get kind of out of whack. And, of course, people have heard the term diabetes. And there's the type of diabetes that young children get, But in our population, there's a type of people, I mean, type of diabetes that people grow into in time because they get more and more resistant to the insulin their body is making. So when that happens, um, that's sort of the perfect cocktail of things just not working like they should. And that furthers the, the heart disease that we just talked about
2: yeah and one of the things right now is that juvenile diabetes, so our our young um, uh, I will say uh, our kids um, are having to make that lifestyle change change earlier in life um, because of this disease uh, attacking them. so um, that's well, see, cool. when I was in school, I mean we did not see teenagers. We, I am sorry, that we did not see
3: teenagers that and nowadays we do eight and nine year olds and ten year olds because of the nutrition that they are faced with in our in the United States, it just yeah. wasn't as something that existed when I started school. And so to watch this become, you know, we're at the point where sugar is the new alcohol and sitting is the new smoking. And you can take a young person who sits around and eats snacks and doesn't get active, and it's just as bad for heart disease
2: as smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, I think parents need to be less of a friend for their kids and more of the providers, because at the end, the ones that put the rules, because at the end of the day, if you bring those sugary snacks, you're the one that's bringing it into the. the uh, house um, and the home so um, you know that's very important um, that we empower parents to make that decision and to be more so we got to educate the parents so they can educate the children and make a change that will impact our community any last uh, minute perhaps tip to a, to a parent of a child um, for this um, disease to be able to kind of stop or at least address? Well, I think that I I have people telling me pretty regularly when we're starting to talk
3: about triggers and things that that lead them to overeating or, or mismanaging their diet, and they'll say, well, you know, I had too many Oreos or I had too many donuts, and my question is why are there too many of those in front of you? Why are they in the house? Well, I have them for the grandkids or I have them for the children. And I try to explain to them that the children don't need them either. That it yes. should be, I mean, something like that can be a treat, you get a small amount, everybody has a little bit, and then you move on with your day because it shouldn't be something that sits in our kitchen for regular snack, snack, snack all the time. And I yes. think that it's, it's a definite transition that Americans have to make. Um, and it's very, that's one of the slowest progress I have currently and, and getting people to understand how it's never too early
2: to start taking care of your heart and eating well. Awesome. Well, Dr. Crow, it has been a pleasure. There's so much information. Thank you so much for all that, those tips. And to my listeners, working on your purpose will keep you consistent. One of the things that I talk in my book is perseverance is a stubbornness with a purpose. You were created for something that only you can provide, so we can impact our community for better, for positive and inspiring people to be better. So, I'll start with you. This is a lifestyle change, this is not a one time deal. Stay consistent, stay pure, stay positive, and then stay inspired. This is Rosie Poulson. Ciao.
1: You just enjoyed another episode of Cafecito with Rosie on air. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and visit www.rosiepalson.com to learn more about Rosie Paulson Enterprises. Stay pure. Stay positive. Stay inspired.
0: Seniors, can you walk into your doctor's office and see them when you need to? Do you have your doctor's cell phone number? And can you call them anytime, day or night? At Dedicated Senior Medical Center, their only specialty is caring for seniors. Dedicated makes it easy to get the primary care you deserve. If your doctor isn't taking time to listen to you or isn't treating you like family, it's time to call Dedicated Senior Medical Center. Schedule a visit to find out more about the care you deserve. Call 813-359-1448. That's 813-359-1448. Appointments available now.